Welcome to Designing Hollywood Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Boutte Jr. Designing Hollywood Podcast is dedicated to all things movies and the movie industry and its talented professionals. Today's episode is sponsored by Fox Studios Costume. So our guest today is an award-winning and groundbreaking costume designer who has built a long and illustrious career working with some of cinema's most prominent filmmakers. Her collaborations began with the Academy Award-winning Oliver Stone on the biopic The Doors and JFK. She then went on to work with James Cameron on the iconic Terminator 2 Judgment Day and True Lies. She continued her work on Ali with the accomplished director Michael Mann and then moved to more contemporary drama with award-winning director Alejandro Gonzalez in Niratu on 21 Grants. She has designed costumes for many other noted directors and producers on contemporary films, including Jerry Bruckheimer's Gone in 60 Seconds and Coyote Ugly, Joel Schumacher's Falling Down with Michael Douglas, David Dopkins' The Judge with Robert Downey Jr., Curtis Hansen's The River Wild starring Meryl Streep, Nancy Mayer's The Holiday, Philip Noyce's The Saint, and Kimberly Pierce's Stop Loss. Her most recent projects include Free Guy, Top Gun Maverick, Uncharted starring Tom Holland, and The City, the Lost City of D starring Sandra Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt, Div Divine, and directed by the Knee Brothers. Without further ado, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce my friend and mentor, Miss Marlene Stewart. Hi, Philip. <laughs> so good to be here. And I've heard so many of these podcasts, and it's really a wonderful opportunity to have a great conversation about design and especially about illustrating, because you are one of my favorite illustrators and one of my favorite people to work with. And you know, design for me is really a team effort. It's not anything for me that I can really do completely alone. And so, you know, it's a pleasure to be here and to be able to have a conversation with you about this. I'm very happy to have you here as well. Um, you are one of my favorites, my favorite collaborators. I enjoy working with Marlene because she really does make it a team effort. But I also very much so, I owe her a lot of my, especially my early career, I learned so much. Uh, from working in the costume department with Marlene, and we will get into that, um, but let's get started. I want to talk about you, and I want to talk about, we always ask the boring question, how did you come to a career in costume? Because you have a very interesting kind of pathway into it, so I want you to explain that. Sure. Well, you know, it, it is interesting. I think pretty much everybody is unique, um, and everybody has a story, you know, that kind of fits their general kind of personality, I think, in a way, when you look back at it. I actually never really dreamed about being in the film business or even really thought about it. I, uh, when I was younger, I did graduate from UC Berkeley and got a degree and uh, traveled to Europe. And as uh, just sort of an, as a pastime, um, I started to kind of go to flea markets and get things and resell them in Europe. and. I had always had a talent or an eye for fashion and um, was interested in just on a personal level, but going to having an academic background, especially at, at Berkeley, one was never sort of encouraged to pursue anything um, sort of in the arts or in film or costume. It just really wasn't um, focused on in that school. So later on, after I, I had actually moved to Europe after graduating and I did wind up getting a teaching credential, which I realized I, I didn't want to be a teacher either. So I pursued, I sort of started styling and <clears throat> working with a lot of people in the music business when I was in Europe. And I came back to New York and um, I started to attend uh, FIT. I figured, well, I'm going to do something that I have an inspiration for, you know, in terms of a, a vocation. And I really was curious to see if it would be a good match for me. So I went to school and learned the technical aspects of design, pattern making, illustration, basics, um, draping, and, you know, got into production, learned about the basics of the fashion business. And then I transferred to LA and finished up at FITM. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started my own company. I worked for a couple of other companies, kind of, you know, ground level in the workroom, sort of like learning workroom techniques, learning how to work with the uh, seamstresses, how to deal with sample makers, et cetera, et cetera, learning production. And then 
I started my own company and had five showrooms, um, main showroom in New York and sold to most you know, major department stores and boutiques. And through that process really learned um, you know, about fashion, sourcing fabrics, techniques, production, mass production, trends, color, working with colors, silhouette. And that was my background. Um, sort of cut to the chase a few years later, about eight years later, I, um, in the fashion business, it's kind of always about your backing and, you know, your financing, as well as if you're a designer, you're always kind of looking for that if, if you're not working for someone else. So through a series of situations at a certain time, even though I was doing very well, um, my backer kind of pulled the plug, so to speak. And um, I think they were more interested in owning real estate. So it was kind of a time of change. It was in the early 80s, sort of 1984. And the time one of my friends uh, asked me, she was a stylist and she used to borrow clothes all the time to do photo shoots, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she asked me if I wanted to go in an interview with her for a music video. So it's, it's hard for anybody to imagine this, but uh, <laughs> way back when I said, okay, so exactly what is the music video? Even though I'd done a lot of photo shoots with very good fashion photographers, whatever. It was very early days of, of MTV, the very you know kind of beginning. Um, I went on the interview and kind of long story short, I wound up working with Madonna. Um, <laughs> oh, that's it, huh? Just Madonna. <laughs> she wanted someone who could make clothes for her, who could, you know, not just pull things from department stores, because even at that time, they really didn't have studio services. So right. uh, they, she wanted someone that was going to be able to create a look for her and from scratch and do tours and whatever. So we began our collaboration and I did quite a few videos of some are pretty well known like Frere, Vogue, um, Express Yourself, um, gosh, on and on, uh, Material Girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, sort of through a series of, a, you know, another sort of serendipitous situation, I later, that kind of, um, translated into sort of an on-the-spot education about filmmaking because the great thing about working with Madonna is not only she was incredibly creative, not only was it a moment in time that will never be again because, you know, MTV, you know, was groundbreaking. It was a, a true moment for a new platform. It's kind of like a whole new way of, of, of promoting and, and listening to music 24 seven rotation and to have the visuals and the design to go with it, you know, uh, on a constant rotation was pretty ground, you know, groundbreaking. So because of that, uh, a lot of doors opened up for me and I wound up working with a lot of other people in the music business at the time doing videos and, um, I got, I did get asked to do some movies uh, with different directors. Actually, I had done a few other movies in Europe um, with uh, the director who uh, was on several of the Madonna videos and her name is Mary Lambert. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a movie, for instance, Siesta in, I think it was 1988 or 87 with uh, Jodie Foster and Grace Jones and Isabella Rossellini, um, Ellen Bark and Gabriel. And it was a, a beautiful, you know, kind of dramatic, one of those kind of Euro movies. It was a little bit of ahead of its time. But at any rate, one thing led to another. But kind of roundabout how it came about was um, I had a meeting with Oliver and uh, he saw my work in the music business that I'd done. And I think because of that, um, when the doors, uh, when he was ready to do the doors, he asked me to, uh, to design that. And um, I would say that was more my big intro yeah. into Hollywood filmmaking, although I did things like Pet Cemetery with Mary as well, and you know, a few other, few other classics. I, I didn't know that one. I honestly didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, and you even missed, you know what's interesting is the 80s are back. I mean, I did Space Jam. I mean, who knew yeah. that <laughs> Space Jam before? Again, you know, <laughs> remakes of remakes at this point. But um, anyway, because of that uh, situation. So 
I guess what I want to say to sort of sum it up, not that mm -hmm. it is in some ways, I never really uh, sought uh, out a, a path to be in the, to, to be designing in the movie business. It kind of unfolded in an organic way. Um, and I feel because I sort of view things as an artist, um, it's not necessarily, yes, it's very important to plan. You know, if you're a business person, you have to plan, you have to think, you have to plot and, you know, organize. But um, on a creative level, uh, I'm very much about uh, an organic process of my own life. So whether I'm doing a design or creating something and hopefully sometimes it does reach an artistic level, I feel that that's kind of the way my life has unfolded in, you know, in costuming. Um, and just another footnote, footnote, you know, I, I have been a Buddhist for many years and uh, sort of philosophically speaking, um, it's the way you approach, uh, you know, from a creative point of view is that, um, you know, to be in a creative mode things organically unfold. Um, it's not necessarily uh, using your logical mind because sort of what you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And if you right. only follow what you know, you instinctively recreate the same thing over again, or, you know, it's not anything terribly new and exciting and interesting. So that being said, uh, it's just sort of my, has been my philosophy. So. I guess I kind of allowed that process to happen um, and found myself in, in some really having some great opportunities. Um, to One thing that I'll say is I have to say this because I want our listeners to listen because um, she's telling you a lot of different things. Marlene's talking about the kind of inception of like kind of the creation process and the birth of like her career, right? As you know it now. But one thing that's very subtle in there and the humbleness of it is, is that she did do a lot of work that led up to that point to where it made her ready to be able to take on more and more opportunities. So the stepping stone was there was the right amount of opportunity for her, but also there was the, the sheer amount of hard work of like learning all the different steps of the costume department and learning fashion and then having her own thing and then kind of moving forward. So at every given point, it, the best word is organic. It was an organic experience. It just kept growing and being like, oh, I'll do a movie. Oh, I'll do this, you know, but it kind of just, led itself on a very natural path. And I think that that's the beauty for a lot of us when you think about like what you set out to do. I know for a lot of students, they're just like, when am I gonna know when I'm gonna know what I wanna do? And I'm, you try to tell them, it's like, you might not ever know. Like sometimes I like, they're like, how did you know you wanna do this? I'm like, I'm still not sure I wanna do this. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, you just go forward. So she's just told you that from the course of that and in between that too, you have fashion, you have photo shoots, you have music video, you have, then you're going into movie. Um, she also designed, didn't you design Madonna's wedding dress? Yes. At one point, right? So it's like, there's, there's a bunch of different things in there. We can't even go back. She's done a lot of iconic things, but in that moment, there's different opportunities that came and primarily that's because of preparedness, readiness, and also Marlene studies a lot, a lot of different things. Um, so that's just something I wanted to tell our, you know, I tell our listeners. What I, I will add just, you know, really briefly, um, what uh, my background from my degree, liberal arts degree is really history. So yeah. that's a key element, uh, doing research, uh, whether you're doing research on any subject, whatever it is, um, it kind of allowed me to have that, that kind of focus. And then when I went into, and I got another degree, or went back in terms of learning more about design, because I have, my father was a painter. I have people in my family that are, you know, visually, or visual artists, shall we say. But uh, you need, I learned the technical skills and how workrooms, work you know, function, sample makers, patterns. I really learned, uh, wanted to learn that and understand it, as well as mass production because uh, movies are about production, whether it's a small amount of things or you know, large groups of things. So each, each phase or each area, I was able to learn aspects of the movie business before I got there. And then just even videos being with uh, a lot of amazing talent back in MTV days, 
I had, you know, the opportunity to work with Academy Award-winning directors and photographers and production designers. And so it was really about education and constantly learning uh, techniques and how things are done. And because once you're presented with a project, you know, it's uh, all hands on deck. You better, you better kind of <laughs> have a lot to draw from. And it's better to kind of do your homework than to be in a situation and not be able to, uh, you know, to be able to know what you're doing, to walk into a workroom and to know what your cutter fitters are doing and how to drape fabrics and, you know, this kind of thing and how to have fabrics, you know, merchandise and, and um, produced even or where to access them, things like that. So. And what's your, so now that we kind of, we're kind of talking about that in terms of like, like just, the process. I want to talk about inspiration, which is I know one of the key things that we talk about on the show, we have talked about, everyone knows I love the history of it. And I love the fact that you can take something historical and conceptually turn it into something else. Uh, and that kind of breeds the inspiration. When, when, you're, when you're just as you, what inspires you or what films inspire you? Or like when you're just like thinking about the things that are most inspiring to you, what do you go to? Well, you know, I think what's very important uh, as a costume designer is to really spread a wide net in terms of being exposed to art. Mm -hmm. Music is absolutely crucial for me. Music has been, you know, a key element and a, and a path through which I have been inspired. But, you know, also I have quite a few friends that are, artists that are, you know, work as artists and uh, to be in another environment um, where I learn about, you know, not only, you know, historical art, but I mean, contemporary artists, um, I think is very important. So I guess what I'm going to say is it's all about not coming to a conclusion, but before you're thinking about something, but constantly opening yourself up to different cultures, traveling, going to, being in Europe, traveling to all the places, being in Africa, seeing as much as you can, understanding culture, reading about it, learning about artists in different countries, South America, the Far East, just absorbing constantly um, and exposing yourself so that when the time comes, you know, you have all the elements you know, as I was saying to you earlier, Philip, before we kind of came on mm -hmm. the air here, to bake the cake, you know what I mean? It's kind of, you're just absorbing. So I guess what I want to say is that I, uh, you know, could be going hiking and learning from my friends, you know, at the Sierra Club, like what's going on there with nature, because sometimes you'll be out in nature and you'll just be looking at plants. I'm pretty much vegetarian, so <laughs> I'm around a lot of plants and I love to garden. Um, but, you know, maybe your design is inspired by, by nature in some way, or, you know, maybe it's an industrial and urbanized environment that gives you inspiration and you're in, in a city or someplace where, you know, the architecture is inspiring to you. So it's kind of just really being able to absorb um, so that when the project comes, that project, that focus of that project draws from all of the things that you have absorbed aesthetically, mentally, spiritually, you know, you can, it all comes out in, in, uh, at that time. Now talk to me, the, another thing that I've learned from Marlene, because she's very good at it, is we do these projects that are massive and you've seen Marlene's resume. So, you know, her projects are big, they're big, massive movies. When we're working, one thing that will end up happening is, is that there's always challenges, right? So there's all these different challenges that come up and there's stress and there's things that you have to kind of figure out and you're like pivoting and turning on a dime and all of that. Once that creation process is done, um, uh, Marlene has taught me to learn to settle in to peace to relax. That's been a very hard thing because you can talk about that a little bit in terms of how you kind of purge that project and kind of refresh yourself. Right, well, uh, Philip, as you've heard me talk a lot about <laughs> mm -hmm. 
after after hours, I guess we'll say, mm -hmm. you know, I make it a point. Uh, I have a daily practice that I do sort of meditation practice and I do yoga. I've been doing it for many years. Um, whatever it is, the old days before the pandemic, I went to the gym, but you know, it's really important, I think, to, to kind of uh, self-care, nurture yourself and really um, allow yourself to kind of empty, uh, if you will, of all your, you know, your thoughts. Because uh, for me, creativity really does uh, come from beyond the, the conscious mind. <laughs> Again, not to get too esoteric. Sure. But it, it is really connecting to, um, you know, a little different level of awareness, um, if you will. However, everybody might have their own unique description of it. But that is where, uh, you know, I find uh, renewal mm -hmm. and also allow allow the cycle to happen. I mean, in other words, you know, you have to, you work on a project and I kind of like, let it go. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's like a plant. Okay. So if you're going to go in your garden, <laughs> you're going to do all the work and you're going to put the seed in, or you're going to put all these thoughts in, and then you're going to, you know, cover it with dirt and well, you can't really pull it up and see if it's going to be growing, you know, the next day or the next day, because basically you're going to kill it. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is to do something and let it go, you know, and um, it's sort of a practice that I do kind of daily, um, which I it, think is helpful. It's so. something that actually helped me a lot because I remember um, Marlene talks to me about this a lot, at least in terms of just like, there's very much so what I appreciate is there's the point where you're on. So we're at work, we're on, we got to deliver, we're doing this. And then once you're gone, that fades away. Now, I, I know we're talking about Hollywood and everyone's like, oh, it's Hollywood work and stuff like that. But this is important for our viewers to listen to, too, because there is that point where there is self-care. There's taking care of your mind, taking care of your body, all of those things. And I do think that that's a big part of it so that when you are on, you can be creative. Um, and I remember there's a moment, Marlene will remember this, but there's a moment that I remember was a shift for me, which was like I saw me and my family ran into Marlene at the airport. And I don't remember where we were all going, but I was like, Marlene, like we just ran, just randomly ran into each other. Not only was it great to see her outside of work because it was one of those things that was like, but I also appreciate it. She won't remember. We didn't talk about work during that entire exchange. We were talking about regular life and where we were going. And it was just a very natural kind of human interaction in a way where it almost, to me, it felt like seeing a teacher when you're outside of school, you're like, oh, you exist outside of here. You know, like, I was like, oh my gosh, we're not at work and you're still here. Like, so it was really fun. But what that taught me was to be present during moments when you're not working. And I think that that was really important, but also to have time to just live your life. So that's something that Marlene has taught me. And it's, it's, it's a constant reminder to be at peace because it, again, we all know you'll be super stressed out. You're at work, you get off of work and you're like, oh, do I need to work? And it's like, nope, you relax, you take self-care because it's going to come right back and you're going to be right in that moment. You're like, oh, I should have enjoyed that time when I was off. So thank you, Marmeen, for that, um, for sure. Thank you for mentioning that. It, it is something I, I have to uh, remind myself, but it, it's, it's a constant, uh, you know, like reminder to, to do it. I mean, I, I, I have to make, make an effort, you know, to do that every day because I think, also, when you really love to do something, uh, you know, the mind tends to kind of stay in that place, but then there's also a lot, can be a lot of stress on a project. And then, you know, talking about mental health, um, which I think is an important subject today, has been, or where we're having more conversations about it, along with a lot of other important conversations that we are just now having that we haven't had in the past, you know, we won't, we can't talk about them all today, but whether yes. it's, you know, gender or, or race or whatever, but I think mental health is very important in terms of, of being aware that that is something that um, we all uh, in this business have to be mindful of, um, is how to take care of our, take care of ourselves mentally and on an emotional level, because the stress mixed with, you know, the overthinking, you know, can be, uh, 
can be a tricky uh, road to navigate. And there's a lot of pressure always yeah. on movies and demands, you know, and uh, part of, um, you know, this business is learning to navigate that. And it's always, uh, you know, you're always a beginner. That's the main thing, a beginner's mind. And it's like, okay, what do I, how do I need to learn to navigate this? Because every director is different. Every movie is different. Nothing is ever the same in life, period, but also in the movie business. So my question for you now is, I think now that we've talked about that, let's dive back into a little bit of work. So you did the sequel to Top Gun. I know you can't talk about it because it's not out yet, even though it should be, because this pandemic has yeah. delayed everything. It come out already. <laughs> I feel like it should have come out twice now, but can you tell us just a little bit about it or just anything well, that kind of- I would love to, uh, you know, I guess what I'm gonna say is I, lo I love to talk about Tom because yeah. I've done uh, three, three, three or four, three projects with him. I did a movie, um, uh, let's see, Tropic Thunder with him. Yeah. <laughs> which he played uh, one of my favorite characters, Les Grossman. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so much fun. I mean, incredible. The guy is such an amazing, uh, full on 1,000 and 100 million percent on and present. Um, lots, so great to work with. Um, and totally 100% present when he's when he's with you and gives it everything and then um i also did a movie oblivion with him yep. um which was a kind of a great um non-franchise movie which i kind of love that idea um kind of original uh piece um, beautiful with uh, a lot of amazing amazing director joe kaczynski and and uh at any rate, when you know, I had the opportunity to work with Tom. I mean, it is daunting to think about redoing, you know, Top Gun. I've worked with Jerry Bruckheimer on a, quite a few movies as the producer, mm -hmm. so I felt, you know, confident. Although when I started this movie, I was actually on a project with uh, Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and. Um, uh, Charlie Hunnam, the Triple Frontier for Netflix, and I was in South America, and we were supposed to start, you know, shooting and, you know, come in for camera tests, so it was very nerve-wracking to kind of try to work on it long distance for some brief moments, but um, Tom is great to work with. I, I did work with uh, another uh, illustrator that you know mm -hmm. well, Keith Christian. Yep, Keith Christensen. Um, you know, the only the main thing I can say is it's an incredible ride. I did get a chance to see, um, you know, a screening of it, and uh, I think in the the trailer that's out. <laughs> but I'm just gonna say we did recreate the Top Gun jacket, and that in itself is incredible. Because yeah. we got jackets from. I think 10 or 15 that were made in 10 or 15 different factories in 1947 and 1949 and clues them together and hand woven patches. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a whole thing. But it's, uh, it's very exciting to work with someone like Tom because he is, you know, he's just such an amazing actor and uh, gives it his all. So when you're in his his uh, circle, you know, you can give nothing less, nor would you want to, but that experience is, it's definitely like being in that, in that jet with him. I gotta tell you that right now. I love that. I mean, everyone that I've talked to that's collaborated with him, even from some of my friends that are actors or just other costume designers, is sure. just a nice, super professional. And it's a whole, like, it's a whole moment. It's a whole process, but like he's giving his 150 million percent and everybody's delivering. I also will tell a little quick story really quickly was, I think at the time that Marlene was working on this, we were in the same place, we were at Western Costume. And um, uh, I wasn't working on it, but I was there. And I just remember almost every day, her entire crew would be running around and working and be like, what you, and then I would just pop in and like, oh, what you, what you working on? They're like, we're working on the jacket. Like everybody was working on trying to get that jacket. We're working on the jacket. And I was like, okay, I understand. But it was like, it's the iconic jacket. We're working on the jacket. Um, so I, I, when you guys see that, because costume designers, 
the whole thing is to try and recreate these moments and also make it as iconic or whatever, or just make an iconic piece. But it's also to where it doesn't stand out so that it's like weird. So I think that you have to kind of recognize when you watch this, just know that a lot of work, it's not like Marlene just picked it up and said, here's that jacket, we saved it. And she put it back on. She had to do a lot of work to get it back there. You know, and so I think I just want people to know that when they look yeah. at this. <laughs> there's, there's the original jacket, which is kind of, you know, and it was wonderful, but it's very 80s, you know, yeah, completely. So kind of because there are original found parts from all these 25 plus jackets that we got from all over the world, you know, you'd have the cuff on one. If, you, if it was all raveled or, you know, or the sleeve, mind you, this is 1947. So some of the knitting, the wool, knit, the wool cuffs on the unraveling, well, that didn't work. And this part and the, and the, the width of the plackets aren't the same if they're from a different factory. They were made in several different factories. So we had every single measurement down to the you know like millimeter on the collar on the width of the band and the width of the jacket i mean and it is kind of like a franken jacket meaning <laughs> it's many different many it's different a lot of jackets put together so yeah so anyway but it's going to be a fun ride i think i think people will be pretty satisfied if they if they hadn't seen the first one it's the the photography is amazing it's pr a lot of practical um, you know, photography, uh, people are used to CGI. Well, this is kind of the real deal. So it's pretty amazing, you know, for today's day and age to see something real is shocking. Right. <laughs> so, so just remember, I wanted to point that out just for you to say, like, even hearing her explain it so passionately, it's not just a jacket. When you watch it, know that a lot of work went into it. I also want to tell us a little story for levity. Too. It's, a, it's a full thing. Um, but I want to tell a story about Marlene that was one of my favorite Marlene stories, which was there was a stressful moment. I think she was I think you were working on fa the Fast and Furious film. Oh, yes, right. And I was working on something else and I was doing something for Marlene. I think we actually worked on that a little bit together. And I needed to come to visit Marlene and there was this jacket so like it's always a jacket with Marlene there was this jacket there was a jacket now this was a stressful day we're talking like this is pressure from studio actors everything it's a really pressure sensitive day so everyone's really kind of like intense and in trying to solve this problem Marlene had ordered this jacket from China <laughs> and, like, and when it got there because it's from China it was completely wrong so this jacket is like it didn't look like the picture, everything, the details were all wrong. And this was like something that she wanted to use. And I remember Marlene telling me about it and everyone was stressed about it, but I'm the only one because everyone was stressed all day, but I just come into it. So she showed me the picture and I just burst into laughter. And then, do you remember that? Like, cause it was so wrong. Um, the jacket, it was, it was false advertising for sure. Kind of like a litmus test, you know what I mean? <laughs> It is, I would say in general, online shopping is a little bit like that. <laughs> Having done 100,000 photo sessions, I guess, later, one knows you can always make anything look good with the right lighting. Of course. But uh, it's kind of like that. Just fire be, buyer beware. <laughs> I just laughed because it was one of those, it was one of those levity moments where it was just like, you just had to laugh and she laughed and everybody laughed, but it was like, they were all stressed trying to figure it out. But then they ended up doing something that was great. So I just want to say that there are moments like that too, where you have to provide a little bit of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's one of my favorite moments because it was just like, she was showing me this jacket. She's like, look at this jacket. And just We just laughed about it and it was so fun. Um, <laughs> tell me tell me about because i want to pivot so you have time tell me i said i want to pivot so you have time but i want you to tell me about your most recent which is uh is free guy with ryan reynolds so let's talk about that another movie that was delayed uh due to the pandemic but um you know free guy what one of the reasons i thought it was a lot of fun i worked with sean levy on quite a few projects and he's, he's an amazing director. I think he really has, you know, has quite a career on, uh, on his, and has his finger on the pulse of a certain kind of, uh, you know, group of people, you know, especially with his Stranger Things. And we also did the series, the uh, Night at the Museum series. Um, but um, Free Guy, it was about, you know, the video game world. And um, what was fun for me 
again, I look for movies that are different than the last movie I've done. I don't want to do all period movies, even though I love period JFK or The Doors or Ali or even something like The Phantom, which I did, which was an early superhero movie done in the 1930s. Beautiful. Uh, I liked the idea of sort of exploring video game world. And as Philip knows, a lot of his illustrators, people he works with and are from video game. Correct. Um, that's really, you know, 24 seven, you know, illustrating the whole world, whole worlds. And so, you know, sometimes the set design or they're used to doing background or creating buildings and, you know, it, kind of is tricky to translate to clothing because sometimes clothing can be so specific but what was great was that I got a chance to you know look at Fortnite look at all the you know Red Dead Redemption I mean just check out all the video games which is one of the great things I find about movies is it gives you an opportunity to delve into a world and explore that world whatever the subject is um so we um the game is about a bad guy, Taika Watiti, who kind of steals, he's the president of this company and he steals the kind of creative idea, pays for it, but he basically steals the creative idea for this video game where the characters in the video game uh, kind of become conscious and gain consciousness or learn. I should say I, they represent AI. So mm-hmm. they're, as they're learning, you know, they're getting smarter and smarter and they're becoming self-aware. So this idea in a way, even though it's packaged in kind of a fun movie is pretty serious and controversial idea. However, in our movie, it was really, you know, lots of fun, especially with Ryan Reynolds being, you know, that kind of deadpan, Deadpool (laughs) kind of uh, humor. So um, for that, we did about, about 100, I think it was about 120 different avatars um, that we, and we, you know, did a lot from built from scratch and some we did, you know, just downright mix and match where we kind of went and gathered things from all over. Um, it's kind of the pots and pans version, although they try to make sure it doesn't look like a pot or a pan. Um, <laughs> the basic rules of design is that if there's too many things on it, it's really, it's got to go. I, I'm a little bit more classic, but we did things, I mean, cowboys from the West, space cowboys. We did, I don't know, every possible imaginary, you know, minor from another planet, uh, you know, saloon girls uh, from, you know, 1940s and you know, every kind of possible characters as well as just, you know, some without names. So it was really a fun ride to kind of work with different illustrators on that and also to, you know, to build the costumes. And did you have, I know that there was, we talked a little bit about, um, or at least the color palette choice for Ryan Reynolds, because there was like a specific type of blue. Was yeah. What is the, what is the, um, the so, thought process behind that? So I will say, and just on a quick note, quick note, my theory is if you have one costume, it's just mm-hmm. as hard as if you have 50 costumes. For Correct. Them. As a matter of fact, it's worse because people are so worried if this one look will be the right look. It's much easier to have five or 10, you know? Um, as per script, as most costume designers or people that do, you know, work in the business know, there is um, an amazing writer somewhere that has decided that, you know, this character is going to be wearing blue, you know, kind of like 70s sort of blue. I think that was kind of the idea. And so, you know, even though that's written in the script, what you have to do, and in a shirt, okay. So what kind of shirt, you know, you think of to me, and it was funny because the director had given me, um, director Sean Levy had given me a um, kind of a mood page from this movie falling down. He goes, oh, I really like this movie. I think we should do it kind of like Michael Douglas and falling down. He didn't even know that I had done the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So he's referencing you, basically. Whoever hires you may not have any idea what you've done in the past. And that's after five movies. I said, yes, I know that character really well. He wears a short sleeve, long, you know, white shirt. This is the ultimate guy, working guy in the 60s, you know, Uh, white shirt. See the T-shirt underneath, skinny black tie, black, black front pants, tie clip, you know, certain glasses. It is the classic every man look. So I think the idea that he wanted to portray was the every man for the moment. And so 
believe it or not, to get to the one shirt, I think we must have done at least 25 different kinds of shirts and colors of shirt, light blue, dark blue, you know, like purplish blue, you know, green blue, turquoisey blue, <laughs> blue with the print. I mean, we have all these variations on it. Um, and we went through, you know, trying to figure out what it was. Um, but that's kind of started out as prescript and then, you know, kind of expanded exponentially. But, and Ryan, so Ryan's character, for some of you guys watching, if you haven't seen the film, he's an NPC. So he's like a non-player, he's like a background character. So the other thing that Marlene did with that kind of uniform was kind of uniform him into just being like, he works at a bank and he's just there and he's just the background character that always works at the bank, right? But as they start to become aware, it starts to expand. So there's there's some color palette things. I don't want to ruin it for you. You should go see it. But definitely just know that all of that stuff is purposeful. And even though there is a shirt or there's a uniform, a hell of a lot of work goes into designing what that is and how specific it is to make you feel something and also to help the character development. So we always talk about little things like that on this show. So I just want you to be aware of that when you watch it um, and pay attention to the choices that Marlene was kind of making to make sure that that story was told through the costume, but also pushed back enough to where it doesn't become over overbearing, basically. Of course, it was all custom made, even though Correct. you look at the shirt and you go, gee, couldn't I have bought that? No. <laughs> nope custom made you know so um yes absolutely so and we did also design some sneakers for him and you know the whole work so it was a fun movie to work on in that in that sense now tell me um as we're going through because we've talked a lot about process we're coming to a close i want you to tell me what it's been like working through covid and also um kind of further that talk about just the differences but also say what you think um just the next generation of designer coming up can do to like kind of work on their craft Right. Well, I think, you know, working during COVID, probably, I, I don't want to speak for any other costume designers, but it's kind of like going back to boot camp, if you will. Um, just having, we've all had heard uh, of the different kind of protocols that were to be in place. In other words, people right away, it was sort of uh, social distancing. That was something. But the very beginning of pandemic, when not too many productions were going on, the unions, as we know, were trying to find figure out what these protocols should be for not only the Costume Designers Guild, but for every other guild and union. And um, when we didn't know, I'm not speaking as anybody that knows as an expert on COVID, but you know, it was all the worry or concern that things were, that the transmission was uh, through surface touching and you know this kind of thing rather than being airborne so at the very beginning it was very difficult with trying to deal with surfaces and putting things in isolated the clothing and then having it be um, sort of disinfected whether you're using ultraviolet light or just using space and time and isolation to make sure nothing was transmitted to another person. I think it evolved slightly from that level, thankfully, to, you know, knowing that it was more airborne and that was the bigger concern. So the meaning in general was how do you work in a space? How do you deal with protecting yourself, wearing a um, you know, shields with actors and uh, along with masking. Um, and, it, and it was pretty challenging, of course, limiting the amount of people that you had in a room, not being able to bring in more people for fittings, doing things remotely, very, very challenging. Fittings remotely, one of the more difficult things I've ever experienced is trying to do custom-made fittings remotely. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah, it's not, not, was not my favorite thing. And that was a requirement at a certain point, you know, um, when it was very, very when it was, uh, like really bad, yeah. difficult. But um, fortunately now I think, you know, people have kind of gotten uh, a system and sort of know the routine. And of course, as people know, you know, we were tested pretty much every other day, depending on what your group is in. But as a costume designer, usually you're in the main group of the actors, so. Um, it's been a challenge, but you know, it's something I think it gives you power to learn that you can live through it and learn how to work around it. And uh, it's not easy, especially we were in the jungles of the Dominican Republic shooting with face masks and, you know, 100 degree weather and rain and mud. And it was, <laughs> it was like being definitely intense in that environment, even more intense, but um, we made it through. Was Nobody that for Lost City? 
Yeah, that was for yeah. Lost City. So I'm going to say this really quickly because I'm kind of working with them now, but Lost City is directed by the Knee Brothers. Shout out to the Knee Brothers. They're awesome and they're the nicest humans. So <laughs> just a shout out to them because um, they'll watch this probably, but I want to say uh, thank you to them. Um, I also wanted to say, Marlene, give uh, our viewers at least uh, it's inspiring costume or aspiring costume designers. Uh, what's something that you would impart to them or tell them to you know, look for as they're kind of building their career? Sure. I, I, I think the main thing I would say is, you know, to find your own what you're the best at doing. I mean, not everybody, I consider being a costume designer sort of like being an architect, maybe because I have so many in my family, but you know, it, you, you have to see the overall picture of something. You have to deal with the finances. You have to deal with the design. You have to deal with the personalities. You cannot do everything yourself. I wish yeah. there was a time I could go and do, you know, fabric textile painting or something. No, but my age or dyers are so much better at it. So um, try to find out where your entry point is that you're what you're really good at and, and then allow your team around you to really get the best people you can and allow them to do what they're really good at. So, you know, know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I, I wouldn't say weaknesses, but just know what you're better at doing and then maybe focus on that. That's what's really important because every designer is, is different. Everybody's good at, at something, uh, maybe a little better at it than another person. And then you're good in this, in, in this area. So as, an, uh, as a designer that's moving forward, you know, really take solace and, and develop your talent that what you love to do, what part you like to do, um, that really is your entry into the design process and feel confident and allow other artists to work with you and to be integrated into the process and to be with the director, if that's a possibility, let everyone be exposed to, to the design process. Don't be afraid to, you know, don't hold on to it. It's a team effort. You're only as good as your team and, um, just, you know, if you work that way, I think you'll you'll always be successful. I, I really do. I want you guys to listen to that because that's something that she really does live by. Um, Marlene has allowed me to do things or to, to come into part of the processes in different points when I was ready for them to where I could actually learn more of the process or like see stuff where she's shown me like, you know, how she does her boards and what her thought process is there. Sometimes I've been allowed to take photos for myself because I have to manipulate them. So I've been able to do some fitting stuff and things like that. So it's like really bringing you into parts of the process or I've even gone at some points and like pulled with Marlene, not pulled with her, but like she's shown me like what stuff is and what it means and like all of that so I think it's one of those things that as you guys go forward make sure that you're kind of learning and growing and be like Marlene in the sense of making sure that you study and that you are focused and that you also find time for self-care I want to thank Marlene for coming onto the show it's been great to talk to you thank you so much um we were the one thing I just wanted to yeah, add a chance to really talk a lot about it but one of my favorite points of entry of design is really illustrating ah please with some of the most incredibly talented artists and philip you are one and it has been a joy and a delight to just be inspired and it's like back and forth i don't even though i've been in the music business and i'm around a lot of singers it's to me what i imagine to be like playing music you know, and you have this, I don't know if anybody saw Soul, but it's one of my favorite movies of this year, the jazz pianist, you know, and he'll play a few notes and then the other, the other, uh, you know, someone else in the, in the band is playing something else and it's a whole like a jazz riff, you know, and that's the way it is on a visual level. And especially, you know, working with you, Philip, it's like, you'll do something and it inspires me and I go, oh yeah, look at that. What about that? And you know, it's really just so crucial to the design process. And we're so lucky to have so many talented illustrators such as yourself, because you can't do everything yourself. I mean, years ago, I thought, oh, I'm going to try to spend more time illustrating, but it would take me a week to do it. <laughs> and I never did learn all the Photoshop, but, you know, I never went down that road of tech, it's, but it's this hard. Is, is so... Um, so fulfilling to be able to work in tandem and because of the illustrators co our, the costume designers have been able to create amazing 
things. Not to say that hand-drawn pictures and watercolors are not all valid, you know, that other process, but, you know, this whole new generation that we've had in the last 15 years or so is, is just really up the game in terms of really people being able to see the design and see the actors in it in just a, a format that's just so real, you know, and uh, inspiring and you can just do incredible things. So thank you, Philip, for all of your amazing help on all my projects and your and also your cohorts. <laughs> I have to say thank you. And Marlene has been a champion for shows. I think I just skipped it because I'm like, it's what I do. So I don't even think about it. But it's like the collaboration process with Marlene, and especially at the very beginning of a project and illustrating and looking at boards. It's that initial spark of the character. And it's really crucial because it's what kind of sells that initial, you know, it's what the director first sees from the costume designer. And Marlene has been a champion for us in making sure that there's multiple ones or like multiple illustrators usually on product that work with her, but we're also coming up with tons of different options. And she does, she's like a sponge. She takes things and she's telling us stuff, but she also listens and which that's something I appreciate because it does start feeling like a collaboration in the sense that you can go back and forth or she'll show me a group of images. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That reminds me of something like, have you seen this? And then we just start getting really nerdy and going back and forth it's super fun right so I do appreciate that um but I, yes that that part of the process thank you for saying that I just want to squeeze that in because it's so thank important. You. it's really almost step one I mean I'm gonna say it's right up there with step one you know mm -hmm. like that great illustration so thank you no and thank you we appreciate you and I will make sure that everybody sees this like Marlene shouted this out so nice <laughs> so thank you <laughs> It's really so vital and it's crucial and to be able to have these relationships with your illustrators is, is uh, it's like your right hand person. Hear that? Do you hear that? From Marlene herself. <laughs> Thank you, Marlene. Thank you. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Fox Studios Costumes, located on Los Angeles West Side. The Fox on Lot Warehouse offers an extensive array of costumes and textiles from all eras and provides costume designers and costumers an opportunity to turn their ideas into works of art. I want to make sure that you guys are also uh, going and checking out Marlene's website. It's MarleneStewart.com. It's a beautiful website. It's very curated. She's done a great job with it. So I want you guys to make sure that you're following her career in that way. Check out her IMDb, although you don't need to. She's around. She will always be here. And she's done tons of really great things. Is there any other social media that you have, Marlene, that they should follow? No, I, I, I'm just going to say I, I, that is one thing I really, I, you know, for, for those who are kind of on social media, a lot more than myself. Um, you know, I, 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 I do have an Instagram, but I, I must confess that I've kind of taken more of my time and gone into meditation than being <laughs> too much. <laughs> Not as a criticism, just my quiet time because uh, it's a lot. You can kind of uh, spend a lot of time there. So maybe in the future when I'm okay. doing projects, I do have, you know, um, but I just, haven't had a lot of time to spend um you know spend with it so completely understand i just said the website's enough so go to her website make sure you guys go visit it because like i said she has a really impressive one and when you see the amounts of movies there you will be completely impressed by this one <laughs> like, like we all are um, i also want to thank uh, producer and founder martika Ibarra and co-founder costume designer marilyn vance so thank you for joining us and we will see you guys again Thank you to our sponsor, Fox Studios Costume. Also, thank you to our viewers. Be sure to follow Designing Hollywood Podcast on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for all of our episodes.